Welcome to Sound Practice, the business podcast for physicians and healthcare leaders, hosted by Mike Sakopoulos and produced by the American Association for Physician Leadership. Researchers at Penn Medicine in Johns Hopkins found first-year doctors spend 87% of their work time away from patients. Understandably, patients cannot fully appreciate the duties and sources of stress faced by their physicians. Conversely, the realities lived by some patients are not apparent to their providers. This disconnect devalues the physician-patient interaction for both parties. My guest today has a solution to this problem. She finds that by starting a dialogue, good things follow. Prepare to learn about the third conversation, next on Sound Practice. My guest today is Jennifer Sweeney. Jen is an author, entrepreneur, and patient advocate. She is co-founder of The Third Conversation. Jen Sweeney, welcome to Sound Practice. Hi, Michael. Thanks so much for having me. I've been really looking forward to this conversation. Oh, well, I'm so pleased that you had time to uh, to be with us. Let's start with your your background. Can you tell me a little bit about your background and what you brought brought you to this line of work? Sure. So first of all, I run a purpose-driven organization called X4 Health with two other co-founders. And at X4, we solve problems that matter, both in healthcare and at the community level. I'm also the co-creator of an experiential program called Third Conversation, in terms of you know, what's brought me to this work, um, I began as a patient advocate a number of years ago, spent many years working with systems and practices all over the country to help them be more patient and family centered. Uh, and as time went on, I realized I had lost a very or had you know, failed to take into account a really important component of the work, which was our clinician well-being. And that is what led me to create Third Conversation. Very nice. Um, and do you believe that that one of the greatest challenges for physicians, or what do you think are great challenges for, that physicians face today? Yeah, so I would say there are three things that come to mind, and these really come directly from my work with clinicians with the third conversation. I would say the first is um, decreased autonomy and increased administrative burden. You know, more and more clinicians are being employed by systems versus working in their own practices which leads to that decreased autonomy. And then, you know, the administrative burden that clinicians are experiencing in today's healthcare environment is, is insane. I do a lot of work with the American College of Physicians and I'm, you know, myself advocating for a decreased administrative burden because I think it disproportionately affects clinicians and their well-being, but it also affects patients. If, if clinicians are spending too much time on administrative work, they can't interact with patients in the way that they would like. Uh, so the second thing I would say in terms of a challenge for clinicians is, um, you know, at least in my conversations with us, they're telling me that, um, you know, the administration that they're interacting with doesn't always understand what clinicians are up against and the realities of clinician, clinicians' daily life, uh, which, you know, means that there's a disconnect in terms of how systems are run and what it is clinicians need, you know, from those systems. And then the last thing I would say, you know, again, this comes from my work with their conversation, I think it is a challenge for many clinicians who hold a dual role, that role of being a clinician leader. You know, I think they are experiencing themselves decreased well-being. You know, they're seeing their colleagues being really frustrated with the system. They don't always feel like they can make the differences that those colleagues need. On the other hand, 
you know, they have the administration saying like, we need to get these things done, you know, for our system. So a lot of the dual leaders that I talk with, they, they share that, you know, they have like a target on their back when it comes to both clinicians and um, with administration. I had a chance to look at her conversations website and a quote popped up that um, really seemed to encapsulate at least your second point. Uh, here's the quote. This is from an administrator. Quote, I don't usually have the opportunity to interact with clinicians. I look forward to keeping those lines of communication open. As an outside observer, I've got to tell you, Jen, that seems rather horrific. Here is somebody who is an administrator that says, I really don't talk to clinicians. Yeah. Isn't that the point of the entire exercise? I could not agree more. And it's one of the reasons we created their conversation. There seemed to be this disconnect among all of the stakeholders within healthcare about the realities that we each experience. So really at a big picture level, third conversation is all about understanding each other's experiences because we cannot all engage in this dysfunctional system uh, in a vacuum. You know, So the goal of third conversation is really to bring these stakeholders together and peel back the curtain on, you know, what is it that patients experience within the system? What is it that clinicians and administrators experience? Because once we understand those experiences and those realities, we can have empathy for one another. I think we we all tend to make uh, assumptions about the other stakeholders in the system. And some of those assumptions, quite frankly, Arno was very nice. But when we really peel back that curtain and hear what it is we each go through, I think we can see like this system is actually the problem, not necessarily the individuals within it. I gotta ask, I'm confused on the name third conversation. Where'd it come from? Yeah. So a lot of people ask us that you are not alone. So as I mentioned earlier, you know, I come out of the patient advocacy world. So I had been hearing for many, many years uh, what it was that frustrated patients and families about a healthcare system. And then I began this work with the American College of Physicians and with other uh, uh, physician groups, and they were telling me their frustrations with the healthcare system and you know what, what challenges they were up against. So there were these two conversations, but they were happening in parallel and in silo. They weren't happening together, but ironically, I was hearing many of the same frustrations from clinicians and from patients. So what we decided to do was this experiment. What would it look like to bring clinicians and patients in the room for a third conversation where they shared with one another their hopes and dreams for the system and the realities of what it looks like to be in that system? Over time, we have expanded the stakeholder groups to include administrators because what we were hearing during the pandemic was one, clinicians were increasingly frustrated with what they were seeing administration doing without sort of you know checking in with them on what they needed. Um, but also administrators were telling us that you know they did not feel like they had any allies in the system, that no one really understood what their realities were like either. So really third conversation is about bringing together stakeholders to have these really deep connections and conversations about their experiences in the system. And do you find that those conversations then uh, translate into actual changes in the environment? Uh, so I'll share a couple things. One, there's definitely an increased awareness among the stakeholders about what it's like for the other stakeholders. In fact, I cannot tell you how many times patients marvel at 
how little they understood what it is clinicians are up against. They had no idea the degree to which clinicians are forced to have these really short office visits. They have no idea before these third conversation experiences, the administrative burden that clinicians are under and how much they need to accomplish, quote unquote, in these short office visits. So, you know, patients leave their conversation saying, not only I greatly appreciate you and I understand now what it is you're up against, but I'm going to show up differently for you as a clinician. And I'm going to show up differently for my appointments. I'm going to ask my clinician, how are you doing today? You know, how are you as a human being? But also they're going to come prepared for these, for these, you know, visits. They're going to come with, you know, the specific questions that really get at the heart of the matter. And they're also going to, you know, really tell the clinician everything that needs, you know, that they're experiencing in the moment so that, you know, there's not this sort of like, I'm holding anything back kind of things, because they know the clinicians need this information to give them the care, you know, that they need. So not only, I think, do we have people saying, wow, this is, you know, really eye-opening, but also I'm going to show up differently for you. And you heard that in the quote that you shared, not only are administrators understanding better what it is clinicians are up against, they're saying things like, wow, I had no idea. And uh, clinicians wanted to be part of decision-making. We actually had an administrator um, at a system in upstate New York after a third conversation experience say, you know, I thought clinicians just wanted to do clinical work. I had no idea they wanted to be involved in the decision-making components of this system. You know, I'm going to change the way we make decisions here in our system. I'm going to hold a monthly clinical meeting to really understand what it is the clinic, the clinicians need in the system. That's huge. I mean, so it's, I think it's individuals really changing more than it is the system, but I think it's individuals changing that can create the changes in the system. Do you think that this is all necessary because the system has changed over time? I'm thinking back to when I was, and I'm clearly significantly older than you, Jen, but when I was growing up, it, physicians had independent practices. That's a thing of the of the past. Um, and so oftentimes now my my friends and, and clients that are physicians feel as though they are viewed as a problem to be managed by administrators. Uh, that was not the case 30 or 40 years ago. Uh, have, have we evolved or devolved to such a situation that all of this is necessary? Unfortunately, we have. Uh, so I have been working in healthcare now for more than 20 years. I've devoted my entire you know, career to healthcare. And what I have seen in at least the last 20 years, but I think it's been going on before that, has been that healthcare is now more about regulations, health information technology, performance measures, and administration. The human aspects of healthcare have been left behind. And you know, the downstream effects of that are really bad. Truth, uh, pardon me, uh, trust has been lost. Clinician well-being has deteriorated and professional fulfillment is at an all-time low. I mean, we're seeing people say, uh, I, not only do I not wanna be in healthcare anymore, I don't want my kids to go into healthcare. So whereas I think clinicians of the past, you know, felt really proud of being in the healthcare industry, that's lost. And it's, I think, why third conversation is so important. You know, so much of who we are as a culture, not just in healthcare, but just generally as a society is about doing. It's about accomplishing. It's about solving problems. And third conversation is different. It's about being. 
It's about being in community and really listening and connecting and understanding one another. And I think that's so important in today's society and in healthcare because really when it comes down to it, no one in our healthcare system feels seen, heard, or understood. In fact, we feel frustrated and angry and disappointed in the system. And what third conversation does is it does help us feel seen, heard, and understood, both in terms of our experiences, but also in terms of our disappointments and our hopes for the overall system. Any hopes of involving third-party payers? Because it seems like some of the greatest disappointment and anger is directed towards those that are unseen that control the, the purse strings. That is a great question. Um, I will say that we are open to having a conversation with any stakeholder who is interested in humanizing the healthcare system and putting people first. Um, but really, that is the threshold. You know, we, you can't become engaged in their conversation and the work that we do unless you see that the system has to be about the humans. We don't have a healthcare system without patients and clinicians, you know, full stop. So um, yes, we would love to talk with any stakeholder that is willing to put clinicians and patients first uh, and to understand their experiences and then build, rebuild the system around them versus what we're seeing today, which is really about payment first and about administration first. You may be waiting a while. Um, let's, uh, I hope not. Mm -hmm. Let's get into more specifics, because this sounds uh, very interesting and very helpful to both patients and, and clinicians. Um, today, we have an audience of uh, healthcare uh, leaders, physician leaders. Um, how can they interact with a third conversation? What does that look like and where do they begin? Sure. So the first thing I would do is I would invite anyone listening today to reach out to me. You can go to our website, thirdconversation.org. Uh, there's an info at email address, just shoot us over an email and we're happy to hop on the phone with you and, and talk more about your goals. But from a you know granular and operational perspective, here's what their conversation looks like. Uh, you would tell us what your interest is. Are you interested in building stronger relationships between patients and clinicians? If so, we would invite you to do a Spark experience with us. And that involves 10 to 12 clinicians and 10 to 12 patients who come together over Zoom for a facilitated conversation. All of our uh, conversations are facilitated by expert facilitators. Um, the conversation usually is about two and a half hours. Again, it's over Zoom. And we dive into what is working in terms of the patient-clinician relationship. Uh, what does the ideal healthcare system look like? The one that prioritizes relationships and what patients and clinicians need from the healthcare system. And then what can we do going forward to show up differently for one another? And how can we work together to improve the system? So that would be our spark experiences. If you are a clinician leader and you are struggling with clinicians who are leaving the organization or clinicians who have you know, serious well-being issues or are you know, feeling really frustrated with their interactions with administration, we can pull together what's called an ignited experience. And that's 10 to 12 clinicians and 10 to 12 administrators who come together again over Zoom. And that's about a three-hour experience. So it's very similar to the Spark experience I mentioned before. We built Ignite off of the chassis of Spark. The difference is at the end, we ask the administrators and the clinicians to make requests and offers of one another. And those requests and offers are really the foundation for changing their relationship going forward after the experience. So 
It really depends on the clinician leader's goals, but if you are interested in improving clinician well-being, if you are interested in reducing uh, turnover and, and improving retention, and if you are interested in improving trust and patient experiences, either Ignite or, or Experience, or pardon me, Ignite or Spark can be a really good fit for you. Do these programs work best for certain age or, or, or demographics? Really great question. So I will be really clear here. We have been in large systems and small practices. We have been in rural, suburban, and ur ur urban areas. We have been in impoverished practices with uh, patients who are at, you know, again, the, the lowest poverty level possible. We have been with highly educated patients um, and folks from all different demographics. Their conversation works for everyone in terms of if you are interested in strengthening the patient-clinician relationship, if you are interested in strengthening clinician-administrator relationships, third conversation can be for you. I will say, with the one caveat, is some people are not ready to share deeply of themselves. So we do handpick and we work with the systems and the practices that you know work on third conversation with us. We do give them guidance on who to invite to these experiences, because, you know, you don't want to have someone who's completely shut down and not willing to share of themselves, because that's really what third conversation is about. But this can work in every possible demographic, as long as people are willing to share of themselves. And that's true of both clinicians and patients? Yes, yes. And, and we really do work closely with the sites that hold these experiences to make sure that we have the right people in the room. Not everybody, you know, as you know, if you are someone who is um, experiencing suicidal ideation as a result of, you know, poor clinician well-being, this is not the right intervention for you. You know, certainly we feel incredible empathy and, um, you know, we want to change the system so that clinicians are not feeling that way, but this is not the appropriate, you know, venue for you to, to uh, work out those issues specifically. But if you're frustrated with, you know, lack of autonomy, or you're frustrated with short office visits, or you're, you know, really disappointed in the, you know, little time that you're able to spend with patients, really diving in deeply with patients and having these deep conversations with them, um, you know, creates a huge bump in clinician well-being. So we've actually done evaluations of both the experiences themselves, but we've also done pre and post surveys with participants. And clinicians have told us now for the past four to five years that they think this experience can help with burnout. But then when we've been doing these pre and post surveys, they are telling us, you know, beforehand, they feel very, very burned out. And then after these experiences, their burnout level decreases. So, you know, we've got the evaluation data that really um, demonstrates the impact of these experiences. And tell me about your, I know that you, you mentioned that you've had smaller practices on a, to healthcare uh, systems, but what's a what's a typical uh, healthcare entity look like that takes advantage of a third conversation? So I wouldn't say that there's a typical entity, Michael. I, what I would say is there is a typical person that seeks this out and they really are clinician leaders. So these individuals who are struggling with holding this dual role, um, folks who, you know, see firsthand the challenges their clinician colleagues are experiencing because they're experiencing that themselves. You know, they want more time with their patients. They want to connect with their patients. And yet 
the system is preventing them from doing so. So they know, you know, that, that, that this is going to be an important experience for their clinician colleagues. They also know the frustrations of being in administration. They know how difficult it is to make difficult decisions that no one really understands. Um, and, you know, they, they also know how hard it is to make those decisions and then have their clinician colleagues come to them and say, you know, why did you do this? You know, how come you, you went in this direction? So, um, so those are really the folks who seek us out. They say, listen, I'm in this straddle role. I can't make anyone happy. I can see how frustrated patients and clinicians are. I also know how difficult it is to be an administrator. Help me out here. And that's when we come in. And how frequently? Is this something that you would do on an annual basis, a one-time event? How does it work? Yeah, that's a great question. So it really depends on the size of the system um, and it depends on the goals of the system or the practice. Um, I will say we have had systems and practices do one experience and been really very happy and satisfied with that experience. We are currently working with two sites right now. One is a large academic medical center. One is a, um, a smaller ur uh, urban system. And both are doing about 16 experiences this year, which is a lot. And the reason they're doing 16 experiences is because they want as many clinicians and patients as possible to experience their conversation because they've seen the positive impact that it brings to them. Um, really, the limiting factor with their conversation is just, you know, on, for the our Spark experience which are clinicians and patients is really just how many clinicians you have. You know, you don't want to have the clinicians going through these over and over and over again. They don't have the time. Um, with our Ignite experience, the same thing. You know, the only limiting factor is how many patients, or pardon me, how many administrators and clinicians you have. Um, you know, the other limiting factor, as we know, is that time in healthcare is our most precious commodity and there's never enough of it. So, you know, originally when we were doing third conversation experiences, they were happening in the evenings. This was pre-pandemic, we were doing these in person. Over time with the pandemic, we have evolved to meeting virtually, but even meeting virtually, it's really hard to ask clinicians to tack on an additional two and a half hours or three hours at the end of a day. So what we have really encouraged the sites that we're working with is to carve out time in the day. You know, put aside two and a half to three hours for the clinicians to meet either with you know patients or with administration it really sends a signal to the folks that are invited, like this matters. The humans of healthcare matter. These conversations where we better understand each other, where we make requests and offers of each other in a transparent way, it's an investment. It's worth it. So, you know, if you're a system or a practice that, you know, is interested in that, you might only be able to do that once every other month. So, but it's flexible, you know, there's a benefit from holding just one experience and there's an even greater benefit from holding, you know, 16 in, in one year. Do you mix people at different levels of uh, experience and responsibility? Would you have C-suite members as well as uh, junior administrators? Sure do. Um, we, when we first began their conversation and doing the Ignite experience, we were um, pretty uh, narrow in terms of our definition of administration. And we were really focused on the C-suite. What we learned over time is that, um, and I'm being really frank here, is that very few people in administration really understand the realities of what clinicians are up against every day. 
And it's really important for everyone in administration to have those understandings because they're making decisions every day that impact clinicians. So, you know, we've had junior finance folks come into these experiences and walk out saying, I had no idea that a lot of the things that I was recommending in terms of administration were going to have negative effects on clinicians. I really want to shadow clinicians now and understand what their daily life is like. So we're not making decisions that, you know, are um, affecting clinicians in, in a negative way. Um, same thing on the clinician side. When we first started their conversation, we were really focused on primary care because primary care clinicians do have these longitudinal relationships with patients. What we have found over time is there's lots of clinicians who do. I mean, physical therapists have long-term you know, relationships with their patients, and they are they are just as interested in diving in deeply and having you know, these conversations with patients where they really understand what their experiences are like. So we've really expanded the, uh, the number of people and the positions that people are in who can experience their conversation. Excellent. Well, as our time together come, comes to an end, um, could you go over again how people get a hold of you if uh, this this resonates, which I think it will with a number of people in our audience. How do they get a hold of you, Jen? Sure. So go to our website. So it's www.thirdconversation.org. And you could type in third conversation however you want. You can use the number, you know, three third conversation or just type it out, thirdconversation.org. Um, you'll find an email there, info at thirdconversation.org. Shoot us an email. Uh, let us know about your interests. We're happy to hop on the phone with you. The website itself has a lot of really great information about the individual experiences I talked about. You can also see lots of quotes from participants who've gone through through a conversation, as well as photos of our in-person events and, um, and our Zoom experiences. My guest has been Jennifer Sweeney. Jen, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be here. I appreciate it. My thanks to Jen Sweeney. I'm grateful for her time and efforts. My thanks also to the American Association for Physician Leadership for making this podcast possible. Please join me next time on Sound Practice. We release a new episode every other Wednesday. Bada bing, bada boom. Bada bing, bada boom. You've been listening to Sound Practice, the business podcast for physicians and healthcare leaders. Check out the show notes for this episode at soundpracticepodcast.com. If you have any suggestions for future episodes, we'd love to hear them. Email us at info at soundpracticepodcast.com. Subscribe to Sound Practice wherever you listen to podcasts so you can automatically receive our episodes. And please rate us and comment on the podcast in iTunes and Google Play. Sound Practice is presented and produced by the team at American Association for Physician Leadership. We are the world's premier organization for all aspects of physician leadership in every sector of healthcare. Learn more at physicianleaders.org. Had his holy cow, that man Robin went to Kapow.